0: Section 24 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 7, Chapter 4 Punishment, The Stake, Part 1 the condemnation of a human being to a death by fire as the penalty of spiritual error is so abhorrent to the moral sense and so appugnant to the teachings of christ that modern apologists have naturally sought to relieve the church from responsibility for such atrocity on the surface a tolerably plausible argument can be made the ministers of religion the spiritual courts the inquisition itself rendered no judgments of blood any ecclesiastic who might be concerned in them incurred irregularity, requiring a dispensation before he could validly perform his functions or obtain preferment. The execution of heretics was a matter purely of secular law, and burning them alive is not prescribed in canon or decretal. The earliest recorded example of concremation is that administered by Robert the Pious of France, to the Cathari of Orléans in 1017, and its embodiment in positive law has not been found earlier than in the decrees against Waldensis, by Pedro II of Aragon, in the Council of Herona in 1197. In 1231 Frederick II included it in the Sicilian constitutions, and in 1238, by his Cremona decree, extended it throughout the empire, while Alfonso the Wise of Castile, in 1255, adopted it for Christians who turned Jews or Moors. It thus became part of the public law of Christendom, not so much from the initiative of rulers as from a recognition of what had become a custom through the spontaneous ferocity of popular fanaticism. The Inquisition, through whose agency heretics were consigned to the stake, did not itself condemn them to it, but merely pronounced them to be heretics of whose conversion no hope was entertained it cut them off from the church which had nothing further to do with them and abandoned or relaxed them to the secular arm for due punishment it assumed that it condemned the crime and the civil judge the criminal and in relaxing him it adjured the judge to spare his life and not to spill his blood this latter was a device invented by innocent the third before the inquisition existed, to preserve from irregularity the spiritual courts in degrading clerics guilty of forgery and handing them over to the secular authorities for execution. This shifting of responsibility to the civil power was not through any sense that the laws punishing heresy with burning were cruel or unjust, for the church taught this to be an act so eminently pious that it accorded an indulgence to any one who would contribute wood to the pile, thus assuming the responsibility and expending the treasure of the merits of Christ in stimulating popular ferocity. That this indulgence was well known in Spain appears in the evidence in the trial of Jan of Antwerp for Lutheranism at Toledo in 1561. In fact, when Luther argued that the burning of heretics was contrary to the will of the Spirit, Leo X included this among his heresies, condemned in the bull, exurge domine. Consequently, the secular power had no choice as to what it should do with heretics delivered to it. Its act was purely ministerial, and if it listened to the hypocritical plea for mercy, it was liable to prosecution as a fouter of heresy and to deprivation of its functions. The church enforced this by embodying in the canon law a provision that princes and their officials must punish duly and promptly all heretics delivered to them by inquisitors, under pain of excommunication, which became heresy if endured for a year, and inquisitors were required to proceed against them, but were cautioned to speak only of executing the laws without alluding to the death penalty in order to escape irregularity as elsewhere so in Spain. The Inquisition abandoned the unrepentant or relapsed heretic to the secular arm, which was bound to sentence and execute him. In the hurried informality of the early period, it seems to have been indifferent whether the magistrate pronounced a sentence or not. A contemporary account of the Toledo Auto of August fourteenth, fourteen 1486, describes the reading of the sentences of the inquisitors and the condemned being carried at once to the Vega for execution, where they were burnt till not a bone remained, without any allusion to the formality of intervention by the secular power. When, however, the form of a condemnation by the alcalde was observed, as at Cordova in 1484, he uttered it by virtue of the sentence of the inquisitors, which rendered unnecessary anything more than condemning the culprit to be burnt alive, wherefore he ordered the Aguasil mayor to carry it into effect. In the inquisitorial sentences of the period, the adjuration for mercy is generally lacking. In that of Mencia Alonso, condemned at Guadalupe, November 21, 1485, not only is it absent, but the duties of the secular officials are treated as purely ministerial, for it ends, quote, As a limb of the devil, and accursed and excommunicate, she shall be taken to the place of burning, so that by the secular justice of this town, or by any other laymen, justice shall be executed upon her according to the custom of these kingdoms. End quote. That the function of the magistrate was not judicial, is manifested in the refusal to communicate the trial to him when those of Brescia, in 1486, refused to execute the sentences of the inquisitor without seeing the trials, Innocent Eighth ordered the inquisitor to excommunicate them if they delayed more than six days, no matter what the local laws might be, for heresy was a purely ecclesiastical crime. In accordance with this is the assertion in the Repertorium de Privatate Hereticorium, printed at valencia in fourteen ninety four that the magistrate has no right to have the process shown to him that he may judge as to the justice of the sentence inquisitors are not to concede any such right for his sole duty is to execute it without delay and if he hesitates he is subject to deprivation of office and condemnation as a heretic this principle was fully admitted by secular jurists themselves torre blanca who is attached to the Royal Chancellery of Granada, states that the duty of the civil magistrate is purely executive, and he has no right to examine into the merits of a case or to act in a judicial capacity. In fact, the secular power could be dispensed with altogether. The Venetian signory was not always as prompt as it should be in suppressing heresy, so, to avoid delays and embarrassing questions, the papal nuncio there, with his fiscal, auditor, and other officials, had faculties to condemn to mutilation and death all heretics, without incurring irregularity or other ecclesiastical penalties, notwithstanding all canons and decretals to the contrary. Such provisions were issued in 1547 by Paul III, and in 1550 by Julius III, and were doubtless customary. Pena reduces this to a general principle, for, without referring to special papal faculties, he asserts that the intervention of the secular judge is unessential, and that, if he were not accessible, the tribunal can condemn the heretic to death. If accessible, he must execute the sentence if he wishes to escape the heavy penalties of fautorship and impeding the inquisition." there was little danger of such reluctance on the part of secular officials in spain where the oath exacted of them by the inquisition obliged them to execute whatever sentences the tribunal might require in fact the only indication i have met with of possible hesitation involving punishment occurs in a mandate september five seventeen twenty five to the toledo tribunal directing that in autos de fe THE FIRST SENTENCES READ SHOULD BE THOSE OF RELAXATION, THUS REVERSING THE USUAL ORDER, SO THAT THE CONVICTS MIGHT BE DELIVERED AT ONCE TO THE ROYAL JUDGE WITHOUT PERMITTING DELAY IN THE EXECUTION OF THE SENTENCES UNDER ANY PRETEXT, SINCE THE TRIBUNAL HAD COMPLETE JURISDICTION TO COMPEL HIM, BY censures AND OTHER PENALTIES, TO ITS EXACT PERFORMANCE. THE INQUISITION REGARDED THE SENTENCE OF THE MAGISTRATE AS A MERE PERFUNCTORY FORMALITY. The doctors had pointed out conclusively that heresy was a crime over which he had no jurisdiction, and if he were to assert it he would render illusory the sentence of the bishop or inquisitor. Consequently, in preparation for an auto de fe, the tribunal, in advance, gave to the secular authorities a list of the condemnations so that the sentences might be drawn up and the wood, the stake, and the garrots be prepared for immediate execution. It is true that thrift induced a certain amount of equivocation when, in fifteen seventy nine, the royal alguaciles of Saragossa claimed payment from the confiscations for their services and for the cost of the wood, and Philip the Second emphatically rejected the demand as unexampled, adding that the inquisitors could not order such payment without irregularity, and that the executions were in virtue of the sentences of the secular judges and not of the inquisitors. This, however, was the merest quibble. In autos generales, the magistrates were asked to be present to receive the convicts and, quote, execute on them the penalties imposed by the canon law of the kingdom, end quote. In autos particulares, held in churches which must not be polluted by judgments of blood, the Suprema pointed out, in a consulta of April 7, 1690, that the secular judges could wait at a designated place when it sufficed that a notary informed them in writing that, N. had been declared a heretic by sentence of the Holy Office, end quote, simultaneously delivering the convict, when they must accept this assertion, and without delay execute the sentence, unless they wish the Holy Office to prosecute them as fautors of heretics, and impeders of its free jurisdiction. At the same time, the judges are to continue as usual to pronounce the formal sentence. Still, the estilo of the Inquisition required the ghastly comedy of asking mercy. In the official formula of the sentence, the clause announcing relaxation to the civil magistrate proceeds, quote, Whom we ask and charge most affectionately to treat him benignantly and mercifully. End quote in sentences of the absent and dead where the effigy alone was abandoned to the secular arm there is no prayer for mercy as there was no effusion of blood to create irregularity in the rigid formalism of inquisitorial procedure after the suprema had established its minute control it is safe to assume that this official formula was universally followed all this affords ample proof that the avoidance of irregularity was the only motive that actuated the inquisition in this matter but if further evidence is required it is furnished by the fact that still greater scruple existed in the exercise of the temporal jurisdiction acquired by the spanish holy office over all matters concerning its officials because such cases were not provided for in the commissions of the inquisitors-general from which were delegated the powers of the tribunals. In 1514 the question arose when Miser Castillo, assessor in the Saragossa tribunal, was murdered, and two of his assassins, Joan Uguay and Pere Gasco, were tried and convicted. The inquisitors dared not deliver them to the secular arm for execution, and various devices were discussed, but the matter was settled by procuring from Leo X his motu proprio, cum sicut asepimus, January twenty eighth, 1515, in which he granted faculties to the inquisitors to arrest, try, and deliver for punishment, to the secular authorities, any one who had struck, mutilated, or slain an official of the inquisition, even if it entailed effusion of blood, or mutilation, or death, without incurring any note of irregularity under this the tribunals acted when such cases arose notably in granada about fifteen forty five when seven persons were thus relaxed six moriscos and an old christian who while in prison killed the alcaide and his assistant and who were hanged before burning in time the cardinals of the roman inquisition were beset with similar scruples and to relieve their consciences Pius v october ninth fifteen sixty seven granted a decree empowering them to participate in the sentences of blood without incurring irregularity this applied only to italy but it was otherwise with the terrible bull cide protegendis april one fifteen sixty nine commanding the delivery to the secular arm for the punishment due to high treason of any one maltreating or even threatening an official of the Inquisition, or destroying or altering its records. This was ordered to be published throughout the world. The Spanish Inquisition claimed the benefit of it, and had a Castilian version of it published every year. It made no allusion to irregularity, tacitly assuming that none was incurred, and it was often cited in Spain to that effect." Still, when in 1579 the Toledo tribunal desired the death penalty for Francisco de la Bastida, for personating an official of the Inquisition, and there was no secular law to that effect, a special brief was obtained from Gregory Thirteenth, empowering it to find him guilty of death and deliver him to the secular arm for execution without incurring irregularity there seems to have arisen a fresh sense of insecurity about 1605. The brief of Leo X was well-nigh forgotten. Some tribunals had copies of it, but most of them had not, and the bull C. De Protegendis did not specifically meet cases that arose. Supplication was therefore made to Paul V to extend to Spain the 1567 decree of Pius V, which he granted by a brief of November 29, 1605, repeated in 1607. In this he bestowed the fullest powers, not only on inquisitors, but on all their officials, in all cases, whether of faith or not, coming within their competence, to participate in sentences of torture, mutilation, or death, without incurring irregularity. This would appear ample enough to remove all possible scruples, and yet subsequently contingencies occasionally arose which excited debate or called for papal intervention to quiet sensitive consciences. In the work of exterminating heresy, the rules which governed the Spanish Inquisition were more merciless than those framed by its predecessor. At first, in the medieval tribunals, it was only the pertinacious and impenitent heretic who was consigned to the stake. He who recanted and professed conversion, even at the last moment, was admitted to reconciliation. Then gradually, as it was found that these enforced conversions were frequently insincere, relapse was regarded as proof of impenitence and pertinacity, and was subjected irremissibly to the death penalty, and this included those who had abjured for vehement suspicion. The treatment is exemplified in the case of Fray. Bonato, the head of a little body of spiritual Franciscans in Catalonia. He was pertinacious until the flames had roasted him one side, when his resolution gave way. He professed conversion and was rescued, but some years later he was found to be still cherishing his heresies, and in 1335 he was burnt alive. The number of burnings in the Spanish Inquisition, during its first half-century, could never have occurred under the old rules indeed in the first rush and fury the case of juan chinchilla in fourteen eighty three volume two page four hundred sixty eight indicates that even frank confession failed to save from the stake those who had sought reconciliation in a term of grace but had been prevented by causes beyond their control even when rules began to be framed the instructions of 1484 placed the lives of those on trial at the discretion of the tribunal, for they required that repentance and asking for reconciliation must be expressed prior to rendering the final sentence, to entitle the culprit to mercy, while even then, if the inquisitors considered that the repentance was feigned, and they had not fair hope of genuine conversion, they were empowered to declare him an impenitent and relax him to the secular arm, all of which was left to their consciences. The rule thus expressed presents two points, the development of which requires separate consideration. As regards the time of confessing and begging mercy, which the instructions limit to the period prior to the rendering of the sentence, this was extended to the time of reading of the sentence at the auto de fe, yet this was grudgingly admitted by the instructions of fifteen sixty one which say that often when convicts on the staging profess conversion the inquisitors receive them to reconciliation but this ought rarely to be done for it is a very perilous thing which should be suspected to come from dread of death rather than from true repentance yet in spite of this warning it was customary to suspend proceedings with those who at the auto de fe before the reading of their sentences, claimed to be penitent. They were remanded to the Inquisition, and, if they confessed fully as to themselves and others, they were reconciled with appropriate punishment. Such cases were of constant occurrence. In the Cordova-Auto of April twelfth, 1722, there were four. Even while the sentence was being read, the doubt was thrown in favour of the culprit, as in the Murcia auto of May 17, 1722, when Inés Alvarez Pereira, convicted as an impenitent Judaizer, begged mercy during the reading of her sentence, professed that she wished to confess and be converted, and was sent back to prison where she was reconciled. In fact, in public autos, where there were convicts to be relaxed, there was always a room arranged under the staging to which the repentant culprit was at once transferred, and one of the inquisitors descended to take his confession before he should have time to change his good resolutions. In such cases reconciliation was accompanied with confiscation, irremissible prison, and San Benito, and usually one or two hundred lashes for tardy confession. The instructions of 1561 were justified in claiming that little reliance was to be placed on conversions thus obtained. For the most part the awful experience led penitents, who thus escaped, to cherish their beliefs in secret. But occasionally there was one whose conscience could not pardon the weakness that led to a betrayal of faith. Diego López Duro, an humble retailer of tobacco, condemned for Judaism, Recanted, while on the staging, and was reconciled with imprisonment. In seventeen hundred, one day, when hearing Mass, he stood apart from his fellow prisoners, and in a loud voice told the priest that he lied, for the law of Moses was the only true one. He would have been slain on the spot had he not been hurried out to save him from popular wrath, but for him there could be no mercy. The inquisitors labored long to save his soul by inducing him to recant without success. He was pertinacious to the last and was burnt alive in the Seville auto of October twenty eighth, seventeen o three, one of those martyrs whose constancy explains why Judaism has been indestructible. After the reading of the sentence was concluded, recantation did not avert the death penalty, as in the elder inquisition. But it was modified to garroting or strangling before burning, for it was received as a principle that a Christian was not to be burnt alive. This was recognized at least as early as fourteen eighty four, when in a Saragossa auto a culprit is recorded as strangled before burning, porque murió reducido. In addition to this, the traditions of the old Inquisition introduced at first a certain irregularity in practice and it did not follow that delivery to the secular arm inevitably inferred execution. In a list of quemados y relaxados at Ciudad Real there are several cases up to 1523 of those who were relaxed and yet had penances of various kinds, showing that they had recanted after delivery to the magistrate, and yet were spared the death penalty in fact it continued for some time to be a matter of debate in which opinions were divided whether a man who had been returned by the secular judge to the inquisitors because he recanted and promised full confession could be again relaxed for execution the older doctors inclined to the merciful view and simancas tells us of such a case in cuenca which was referred to the suprema when many experts held that the culprit could not be again relaxed, for he had made a true confession and the secular arm had renounced its rights. Even as late as 1640 an inquisitor says that the rigour of executing a man who repents after delivery to the magistrate is not customary in Spain. In this he would seem to be mistaken. I have never met with a case, later than those alluded to, in which conversion professed after sentence secured reconciliation. The tendency to rigor was too strong. The instructions of 1561 make no allusion to such a possibility, as they grudgingly allow mercy for earlier confession. Peña forbids it. He admits that it was the ancient custom, but such conversions are not to be trusted, and experience shows that such penitents are only rendered worse. It was the universal practice to garret those who professed repentance after sentence, and the dreadful alternative of death by fire, when thus impending so imminently, wrought so many conversions on the way to the Bracero, even among those whose resolve had held out thus far, that burning a life became comparatively infrequent. In the first three autos held at Barcelona in 1488 and 1489, all the converts professed a desire to die in the Christian faith, and all were strangled before burning. At the great auto of May 21, 1559, at Valladolid, where Dr. Casalla and other Protestants suffered, there were fourteen relaxed in person, of whom only one, the bachiller Errezuelo, is characterized as a pertinacious heretic, and consequently burnt alive, the rest being garroted as repentant converts. In 1571 there were hanging, in the parish church of Logroño, 157 San Benitos, of which 101 were of those reconciled, and 56 of those relaxed. Of the latter, nine were in effigy, and 47 in person, of whom only four were specified as burnt alive. The weakness of human nature afforded but rare examples of those who could stand the final test of fiery martyrdom. Notwithstanding the practice of executing all who delayed conversion until after hearing their sentences, there still were those who argued that they should be admitted to reconciliation, basing their contention on the ancient rule and on the silence of the instructions of 1561 on this point. In 1674 the Suprema felt called upon to quiet the doubts of the Granada Tribunal by insisting that this rigour had been the invariable custom of the Holy Office. Still the question was debated until a carta or of May 24, 1699 disposed of it authoritatively. This declared that, in consequence of existing doubts, the Suprema had examined the matter carefully, Reaching the conclusion that technically the delivery to the secular arm was coincident with the reading of the sentence. The Inquisition thus remained without jurisdiction, which had passed to the royal justice for the execution of the sentence. Therefore, if the convict was not converted before the reading of the sentence, he was not to have mercy or be admitted to reconciliation, even if he begged for it, but the royal justice was to execute and fulfill the sentence. If the conversion was real and not feigned, the latter being presumable at such a time, any of the confessors who assisted the culprit could reconcile him to the church and confess him sacramentally. Thus his body was irrevocably forfeited, although his soul might be saved. After so formal a definition, no arguments in favor of mercy could be urged, in the 64 Autos de Fe between 1721 and 1727, there was a total of 77 cases of relaxation in person. In the relations, it is not always stated distinctly whether the victim was burned alive or garroted, but, from the details given, the estimate cannot be far wrong that not over 13, or about 1 in 6, endured the severer punishment in the granada auto of january twenty one seventeen twenty two there were eleven relaxed all of whom professed conversion after their sentences were read and all were garroted before burning so rigid was the interpretation of the rule that it could not be dispensed with even to gratify the intense longing for expiation which sometimes possessed the eleventh hour convert in the cordova auto of april twenty two Antonio Gabriel de Torres Savallos, relaxed for Judaism, was converted after the reading of his sentence. At the Bracero, with copious tears and signs of repentance, he loudly proclaimed his Christian faith, praising the mercy of God and of the holy office, and demanding to be burnt alive in order to offer God satisfaction for his sins, but this was refused. He was duly garroted, and, quote, HE GAVE HIS SOUL TO GOD TO THE GREAT CONSOLATION AND EDIFICATION OF ALL THE PEOPLE, quote. AN UNPLEASANT DOUBT OBTRUDES ITSELF WHETHER IN ALL CASES THE PRELIMINARY STRANGLING REALLY RELIEVED THE SUFFERER FROM DEATH BY FIRE. SPANISH EXECUTIONERS ARE SAID TO POSSESS SUCH DEXTERITY IN MANIPULATING THE garret, THAT THEY CAN PROLONG THE DEATH AGONY FOR HOURS WHEN THEY ARE NOT BRIBED TO GIVE A SPEEDY RELEASE. In the universal venality of the period, it is possible that those, whose friends failed to earn the good will of the Minister of Justice, were by no means insensible when the torch was applied to the faggots. There may have been more than mere lack of skill in the incident at the Cuenca auto of June 29, 1654, which gave Bartolomé López the opportunity of displaying his nerve. He had delayed professing conversion until after the reading of his sentence and was consequently relaxed for strangulation and burning at the brasero seeing that the executioner pedro de alcala bungled in garroting violante rodríguez and ana de guevara he said to him pedro if you do not treat me better you had better burn me alive end of section 24